Happy Friday night. Welcome in to the Irish NFL show presented by Pundit Arena. Folks, great to see everybody. How are we all getting on? Colm, Mark, Brian, uh, good and tag, gentlemen. Good and tag. Happy, happy birthday, Michael. Yes, still the youngest here. Maybe in my 30s now, but hopefully my team will win a championship before I get to 40. But uh, look, thanks very much, boys. I'm presuming the presents are in the post, Brian. Yeah. Well, congratulations, Michael. You've reached the milestone of 30 years of age. So you're only 13 years behind me. Uh, so I was just thinking if, if it takes till you're my age for the Broncos to win a Super Bowl, you'll be, uh, that means I'll be 56. I'll be nearly retiring. Mark, we were speaking to Tom Palacero earlier on, and that interview was out tomorrow night. Don't miss it 
on the Irish NFL show across all platforms, including Ponda Arena. But he did mention, Mark, obviously that whole situation that we're in at the moment. We're sort of waiting to get that final figure, aren't we? And, and this will help. Yeah, it, it will help. It, it probably isn't going to have the most material of impact on the 2021 cap figure, just in the way in which they talk about projected um, growth and protect, projected numbers for the following cap year. So it's more likely to have an impact on 2022 and obviously make up some of the shortfall. But of course, the teams are making up the number this year by borrowing a little bit from the future. Like the real cap number should actually be around 140, 150 or something like that. But they're actually adding on intentionally money into the cap, which agreement with the union they're borrowing against the future effectively. But for me, this is this is actually fascinating. I mean, I love this. I love the business of the NFL as well. Bear in mind, Roger Goodell is going for $25 billion. And it's business, and it's all about leverage. We say about London, I say London is just leverage. It's leverage against small market towns like Tennessee or like Jacksonville to say, hey, you've got to stump up the cash to keep the business of the NFL ticking on. Otherwise, you know, we'll move on. They lost the leverage with the Las Vegas. They lost the leverage with Los Angeles because they've put teams there now. TV deals, exactly the same. And they've basically turned around and doubled all their big deals because you've got to remember the history of this. In 93, when CBS actually lost the NFL, um, Fox actually came onto the scene and outbid them. I think they went 1.58 billion for the NFL of uh, the NFC games, and CBS only bid like 290 a year on a four-year deal. They got absolutely blown out of the water. Jerry Jones was cock-a-hoop, and CBS's programming, CBS's advertising revenue, CBS's cross-promotion of its shows plummeted during those four years, and every single major TV company knows it. So we talk about how the, the NFL is a behemoth now. It's a behemoth because they've seen what happens when you don't have it and when you suffer from it. So they've basically quoted their price at those guys. Say, here, you want to stay pat, double it. And they've all gone, yeah, we do. That's fine. It's scarier to lose it. The one nuance or the two nuances they might have lost, one was Monday Night Football. Like, you know, they don't get great games, but they basically put up to Disney and said, Without Monday Night Football, ESPN is no more. And you think core cuttings now, it's going to be twice as bad. And Disney's price for that is to kind of go, well, then we want ABC back in the mix. Then we want to simulcast some games. Then we want a Super Bowl. And we get like, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox in rotation. Um, and that's great. And that's fascinating in itself. And it's kind of like, well, does ABC come back into the mix? And is the threat then for the next TV deal when they want to double it up again because they want to get up to their two, you know, 25 billion. So it's it's not even that the NFL is playing the game this time around. It's they're playing it and setting the scene for the next one. And that's also why Amazon getting the Thursday night games is amazing as well. Because the NFL, I guarantee you, I tell you right now, in all of those uh, contracts, there are obligations to provide subscriber numbers, streaming numbers, details on all of the... Uh, uh, the, the users and everything, any of the geolocation pieces that they're seeing, obviously commitments stop piracy and things like that. That commitment in Amazon Prime, bear in mind that they have far more granular detail on everybody, what their buying habits are, what ads they watch straight after, you know, what piqued their interest, when did they turn off, when did they disengage. All of that is so much more valuable for the NFL for the next round of negotiations and sets the scene for really bringing in the Apple Plus, Twitter, which they had at one stage before, Disney Plus again, if they wanted to package it for Thursday night. So they're actually monetizing Thursday night football even neater and better than you ever would have imagined. 
And Roger Goodell and the NFL, chapeau. That is what you are paid to do. You're paid to make money. And by God, they're doing it. I mean, to try and stay impartial here, I mean, it's not going to improve the coverage. So, I mean, unless they get Jim Nance or Tony Romo or Al Michaels or Troy Aikman. So, I mean, that's well, my viewpoint. I mean, fair play to them. They, 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 they have the money. They lost billions of dollars last year, but they can't turn up a deal like this. Yeah, but Michael, remember, it's been done before. When, As I said, when Fox came on the scene, Fox paid $6 million a year to John Madden to jump over. They bought Pat Summerall out of CBS to jump over. They created something, throwing the cash around like no tomorrow. I don't think Amazon Prime are going to do that for Thursday Night Football, don't get me wrong, but it's it's been done before, and people have proved the business case off the back of it. So, yeah, if you, I'm a bit excited about this. It's kind of cool. Is, 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 that the, is that the talk, though, that Amazon's going to get the Thursday night? Is that is that confirmed, or is that the talk yeah. at the minute? Yeah, Amazon and the NFL Network will share. So the NFL wins both ways. NFL Network gets priority for all the TV, distri TV distribution deals and all the different affiliate deals across the disparated TV market in the U.S. It still gets a primacy, still gets an important role in that regard. Amazon Prime, obviously, as I said, it's the analytics, it's the money they're going to pay. It's also the competitive risk for the other networks going forward and the competitive risk on those packages. So win, win, win. Chicken, win a win a chicken dinner, I think, would be the technical expression on how that business deals from there. Just on, on the Thursday night football, I imagine Amazon Prime won't have to focus too much on the commentary side of things because NFL Network will pick up the slack there. They'll put two people in place who are there. They've done it in the past where Amazon Prime have done a couple of games and the NFL Network guys have to, are the ones who stepped in and did the commentary. So I'd imagine it'd be a similar, similar scenario next season. How, how can we acknowledge the fact that Mark is the the stringer bell of the Irish NFL show? He is the businessman. Is, is it, that's why he's on board. <laughs> I, I, just love, I love how excited he got about that. I mean, it was it, he was as excited about that. I was probably more excited than he was about the Patriots all of last season. I mean, yeah, the reality is I know to an extent it, it matters you're talking about the about the money involved in the game, but for us it, yeah. They're always gonna find a way. They're, they're always gonna find a way. Um are we okay to jump on to our next topic or does, does anybody else want to talk about Disney or Disney Plus Star, National Geographic or Amazon Prime? Is everybody happy enough? Can, can we get back to the football talk? Yeah. I'm joking. It, it was an interesting conversation. But all good? It was worth it was worth discussing. But yeah, that's good. You better move on, Michael. You better move on. <laughs> Better move on before I'm hit. Uh, Russell Wilson. Uh, boys, before we have a discussion about this, obviously it's came out over the last few days that Wilson um, has not asked to be traded, but it's coming quite clear that he would consider only a certain amount of teams, apparently going from sources online. Now that includes the Cowboys, the Saints, the Raiders, <laughs> and the Bears. So, I mean... Could you imagine, Colm, uh, an AFC West where it is Deshaun Watson with the Broncos, Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs, Russell Wilson with the Raiders, and uh, Herbert with the Chargers? It's never going to happen, but who knows? Um, uh, yeah, that would be um, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be great for if if that was to 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 be the the lineup in the AFC West. Um, look. 
the the Russell Wilson stuff is really interesting to to see because clearly I am not the only person with issues with Pete Carroll. Um, this has been a concerted campaign that Russell and his team have run ever since he appeared on the Dan Patrick show. Um, he uh, he's been making moves, and uh, whether he he moves or not, uh, we we don't know. Um, but he certainly it's a it's a power move and. Uh, I'm fascinated to see what will come out of it. We know that um, unlike the um, the Texans, or certainly the, the talk is that the, the Seahawks will certainly have conversations to see. Now, they're not going to give him away. They're going to want a, a King's Ransom uh, because he is an exceptionally good quarterback. Um, but they are, are not um, ignoring phone calls a la the, the Texans. So... Um, it will be it'll be very interesting. There was saw a great tweet earlier about um, you know Russell Wilson wanting to be traded, but then saying he you know I'm not going to ask for a trade and and uh, the I'm not uh, I, I don't want to cheat my wife, but if I was to cheat my wife, here are the people I cheat with, uh, which appears to be what his team have have leaked. So I say watch this space over the next couple of weeks. There's a power struggle going on because we touched on it when this story kind of came out originally and we didn't even feel it was worth discussing. Colin made the point that he he wants to get more involved and he wants to have more of a say in terms of how the offense is running and in particular around the offensive line. The fact that he's been beaten up so much and he's getting sacked you know, numerous times throughout the season and he's continuously on the run and he's pulling the games out of fire. Inadvertently, he might end up talk himself into a trade so i don't want to genuinely believe that he does want to be traded i know they're saying all the things to i suppose in a way scare the seattle into doing what he really wants which is to build an offensive line to allow him to be the player that he he, he really is because you know i think we'd all by and large say he is one of the top quarterbacks in the league but i wonder as this progresses do they end up getting an offer where originally seattle had no consideration for trading him but something comes down the line that says you know what maybe this is the right thing to do in the long run. You know, if someone offers three first rounders, I know you don't have the Jets and the Dolphins on their list, but someone in the top half offers a crazy amount of picks to Seattle. Do they say, you know what, maybe we can rebuild and get a quarterback in the draft and maybe it is the right time to move on. And he could find himself with a new team and it may not be the teams that he has on his wish list. Yeah, I mean, Actus non facet mens rea. You cannot have a guilty act without a guilty mind. And Wilson, to be honest, seems to be agitating in relation to this. Now, maybe he's just trying to put a bit of pressure and leverage. But there's been a few rumors and reports quite a, uh, around him quite a bit. Obviously, I don't know, maybe Sierra and uh, Roger Goodell in that uh, Super Bowl um, moment uh, were discussing where should he go, Roger? Um but look, these teams that he's listing is like, I'd only consider these. I mean, it's as much passive aggressiveness as ever. He ain't going to the Saints because they've got no cap room. 99.2 million over the projected cap at the moment. That isn't happening. He could go to the Raiders, but they don't have the draft capital really to spend on it. He could go to the Bears and instantly be the greatest quarterback the Bears have ever had. Um, but equally, I don't necessarily know he would want to go there with the offensive line they've had. And the Cowboys, pipe dream. Um, they'd have to give up on Dak. I don't think Jerry Jones is willing to make that, or Stephen Jones is willing to make that gamble uh, and potentially that mistake if Dak turns out to be a, a better quarterback than projected. But there's, there's narrative as well, and you hear this from Steve, um, Seahawks fans, there's narrative about Wilson, whether he's, you know, oh, he's not been protected by his offensive line. It's like, well, 
Where exactly is the chain of causation in this? Is it that he gets sacked more because the offensive line doesn't protect him, or he gets sacked more because he holds on to the ball too long? Like, there's two sides to every story. He made a, he put up amazing numbers the first half of this year, obviously fell off. He is a quality quarterback, but um, you talk to a lot of Seahawks fans, and they're equally frustrated with Wilson at a time. So be careful what you wish for, Russell, maybe. Absolutely, but at the same time, lads, and I think you said, I don't know who, I think everybody actually said it. he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Absolutely no doubt whatsoever. Look at some of the quarterbacks in some of those teams and look at Wilson. He would walk into any team, really, bar a couple. Um, we've got a question about the Niners there uh, from Ronan. Ronan, we'll come back to that in a wee second. Let's just stay on the, thank you very much, by the way. Let's just stay on the Russell Wilson talk. So, lads, start with yourself, Colin, before I ask you the question for me. I feel this year that there's a lot of talk about Wilson. I feel he could be playing somewhere else in September, but for me, I'm not sure in terms of where he will play. Um, I think if you're the Bears, you have to be aggressive in the sense you have to go for him. As, as Mark said there, like, you know, have the Bears ever had a quarterback as good as Russell Wilson? Er, er, plenty of Bears fans here, go for it. Throw the kitchen sink. It's no different to me as a Broncos fan trying to get Deshaun Watson or so different to anybody else trying to get a quarterback in their team. You gotta go for it and you gotta hope that it happens until it can't happen. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But Colin, a couple of aspects here. The Seahawks fans, you've seen people online saying the Seahawks fans, a, a lot of them actually think Wilson can do no more in Seattle. Like there's a lot of talk about on that. You know, they've really reached the limit with him. What more could he do in Seattle? And then secondly as well, Colin, going around with you lads, you know, where would it make most sense if he was to be traded? Um, well, I, I don't, on, I, if we're talking about the guy took 40 plus sacks, um, I don't think that's on him. That's on the line. Yeah. He's, he probably at times he, maybe he could let it go, but he makes plays happen with his legs and they have, have not protected him. I totally get where he said that, um, you know, he, he was, he was fed up getting hit. And I talked about that before you, you only get so long in the league, you, your time shrinks and, and that window gets a lot smaller if you get hit 40 times um, by a guy who weighs, you know, 280 pounds and, and is coming to take your head off. Um, and remember, he's got to play Aaron Donald, um, you know, a couple of time, uh, times a year and uh, he seems to, to relish those opportunities. So um, I I do think it was a, a power play, but I think like Brian says, it, it might be one that ends up if they get a deal, I think be be very careful what what you wish for, Seahawks fans. Um, as a as a Broncos fan, if you don't have a franchise QB, you have nothing. Um, you can put all the pieces you want around it, um, but it is it 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 looks ugly when the the franchise QB isn't there. Uh, my big concern. Um, as a Broncos fan, but um, if I was to take that hat off, the Raiders make a lot of sense. If it was to happen, they brought Gruden in on a, on a huge contract. They have to do something. And uh, I could see, I don't think they're enamored. Gruden doesn't seem enamored with, with Derek Carr. Um, so if Russell Wilson was to be available, and it, it is, Mark makes a fair point, whether they have the, the draft capital, but I could see them looking to, to make a move because um, they have a lot of pieces in place, but I don't ever think that Derek 
car is taking them over the hump. They need to get a, a guy in there. Um, when you're in a division with Mahomes and Herbert, you got to have a guy who can duel it out with them. Russell Wilson could do that. If Russell Wilson went to the Raiders, it makes them very competitive. It makes the AFC um, West uh, the the division to, to watch. So that would be my fear as a Broncos fan. But as a football fan, that would be fascinating. For me, um, it's more about where does it make sense for Seattle to trade him if they came to that decision. And from I would think Miami, um, because if you look at what Miami have in terms of selections available, two first rounders, they're picking at number three. That would allow Seattle to potentially pick another quarterback and I suppose bring him in, and he potentially could be the quarterback going forward. Or they decide that they do think Tua is worth taking in a deal. So there's a number of options there they could take Tua even still challenge the Dolphins to give them the number two, the two number ones, or they leave two alone, take the two number ones, maybe take some at the back end of the draft and then draft the quarterback in number three. So Miami have been linked to a lot of quarterbacks this, this offseason, including Watson, but that would be the one for me. They only would then play them once every four years. So Wilson has gone out of the division, gone out of conference, sorry, gone to the AFC. They won't see him very often. That's the one for me that would make most sense. Yeah, and I mean, I was saying, be careful what you wish for Russell Wilson. I, I just want to echo what Colin's saying in terms of, you know, be careful what you wish for Seahawks fans as well. I mean, again, I'm a Pats fan. God, I know this season what it's like to not have your franchise quarterback there and what it means to that team. Uh, kind of rips the soul out of it. And um, Wilson, for all his faults, and there aren't that many faults, let's be fair, um, he has driven that team, always gets them in the playoffs, always performs very well uh, in the playoffs, obviously won a Super Bowl, got to two. Um, he does step up when it matters. He's evolved his game beyond what he started, which was a heavy power run game behind Lynch. Russell Wilson used his legs, maybe only throw 15, 20 times a game. So he has evolved as a quarterback as well, which is great to see. But to take Colm's analogy of, you know, if I was to cheat on my wife, these are the ones I would cheat with. Seahawks fans kind of want to say to him, like, at some, say to him, oh, go on, go over there and cheat, go over there and cheat. Uh, and if and when that ever happened, uh, they would swiftly, swiftly regret it, I feel. I feel, Mark, that you have to leave us in a minute. Yeah, am I correct? Or are you, are you okay to stay? Yeah, for a I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay for our next segment, but I do have to love you oh. and leave you guys. Not, I mean, please this, don't. this whole please conversation don't. about cheating on wives and stuff, you know, it's nothing to do with it. I want to emphasize. Okay. Well, we've got, we've got an extra session uh, in terms of Ronan Lynch asked us who we think would be the quarterback for the Niners come September. So let's just try to test how good I can do with graphics in a very quick period of time. I'm just going to give a quick fire answer, uh, Jimmy G. Like you've seen this week, what John Lynch said. Okay, he didn't give him a massive vote of confidence, but I mean, who else could really go in? Like, okay, potentially. We talked last week about Deshaun Watson, but does anybody stand out for you, Paul? Hmm. There's new new system hmm. trying to learn it. That that private chat box is a disaster where it's placed. Um, if I'm Jimmy G, I am I'm not reassured by John Lynch's comments during the the week in any way, shape, or form. Um, I, I would always be a little bit skeptical of what players, agents, and GMs say at, at this time of year. Um, it's lying season. That's what what happens. So 
I I really don't feel they're committed to him. I think they they may have to roll with him next year, um, but I really don't get the impression from the 49ers that they are in any way enamored with, with Jimmy G. I think if the possibility of um, moving on came up, they would take it. Um, it's probably similar to to the Broncos and, and Drew Locke in that um, they're only going to to trade for or make a move for somebody who will take them, they feel will take them to the next level. But um, it's not just the Sean Watson. It's not just Russell Wilson. We know that Kyle Shanahan is a big fan um, of the man in Minneapolis. Um, he likes Kirk Cousins. Um, if Kirk says, do you like that? Well, Kyle Shanahan does. So I think there are still a number of quarterbacks in play for the 49ers. Um, I think that is definitely a situation to keep an eye on because they have um, cap space there. Um, it could be Jimmy G, but if it is, um, this will be his last season in San Francisco. Um, I'll go with you, Michael. I think it'll be Jimmy G for, for reasons that they don't get the offer that they really feel is worthy of moving him on. Um, I think the only team really that's in play for for Jimmy G potentially would be for him to go back to New England. And Mark would, Mark would know well, knowing the way New England do their business, I don't see them giving up too much in order to get him back. So I just don't think think they'll see a fair trade where they see the need to move him on. Um, and then as well as that, they have to go and recoup a quarterback somewhere else. Where do they go? Cousins. They're going to have to give up a lot to get Cousins. And I would be surprised if they are in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes that Jimmy G would be comfortable going there. I know I'll be, he doesn't have a decision to make, but would the Texans want to take him in the deal? Probably not. So I think, to, like Colin, another year with him and they'll move on next season. It's fitting that the last word on this se- on the segment for Garoppolo goes to Mark before he departs. Mark, what's your thoughts? Um, pretty simple as far as I'm concerned. I've said that Deshaun Watson will still be Houston Texan on the 1st of September. For the avoidance of doubt, Russell Wilson will still be a Seahawk in my mind on the 1st of September. And Jimmy Garoppolo will be the starting quarterback of the New England Patriots on the 1st of September. And the 49ers will draft a new quarterback in the draft. Oh, okay. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, Mark, I presume you have to love us and leave us. So uh, we obviously, before you go, we have a big show tomorrow night. Do you want to remind people who we have coming on? Yeah, so absolutely. We've got uh, the one and only NFL Network's Tom Pavicero uh, coming to you at 9 p.m. tomorrow night. Um, Great guy, great interview, and also... Just a, a great all-round uh, engagement. And obviously, the stories he covers on the NFL Network and the stuff he brings us all the time is so funny uh, and so great. Um, except when mice are involved and he has to hide from them on top of his table, as his wife's photo on Twitter showed on one stage. And he very much stuff. ignored that conversation. But he was a great crack, and we're looking forward to bringing that tomorrow night. For now, though, Mark, uh, I hope you have a nice evening. He has a phone call with Jimmy G now, so he's heading off. <laughs> That's it. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the blow to him. So Jimmy, Jimmy, yeah. Second, yeah, well, second week, yeah. get it done. See, see you next week, man. See you next week. Appreciate your comment as well, uh, Ronan, in regards to the 49ers. Thanks, lads. Loving the show. Oh, Mark, left field. Perfect. I love how he left before we got that on. But Ronan, thanks, man. Thanks, everybody watching the show as well over here on uh, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, or Ponder Arena on Facebook, and we're also trying to get the use of this new Twitter media studio. And thanks if you're listening via our podcast also. We have 
got four more segments to do in 30 minutes because boys did you know twitter now cuts us off if we go over 11. so <laughs> we'll, we'll sort of that we'll sort of that franchise tag period now open now we're going to try and be unbiased and not talk about our teams too much but in terms of what's expected to happen con and um, what's your thoughts ahead of this over the next few weeks in this period of, of the off season the, the tag is always an interesting one um, because you have some players who will accept playing on the tag and will see it as um, an opportunity to really earn their money. Um, but it, it carries so much risk for a player because if you pick up a serious injury, then you could do yourself out of a, a future contract. So um, it, it, it's a it's a tough one um and it really it benefits the the team generally so we have seen in the past you know teams um franchise tag um and then you know would work towards that that long-term deal um if you remember back and i know he was a bronco but he's also a big name von miller after that super bowl season the the broncos had to tag him um but von had made it clear that he would not um play on the the tag and um they had to get that long-term deal done so you also saw obviously kirk cousins play on the tag repeatedly um when he was in in washington so um it, it's always uh, an, an, an interesting one to to see what teams do. Can they get the, the longer term deals done? Um, you know, again, Broncos had Justin Simmons. Um, I'm sure there are plenty of teams around the, the league that would um, happily take a guy like Justin Simmons. Um, the other one that probably stands out for me right now is what Tampa do, because um, they have Godwin, they have Shaq Barrett, um, they have Lante David. So, they need to do. Um, they need to figure out what what they're going to do. Uh, I think at this point, Jack Barrett has proved himself. Um, I would love to, to see them get a, a long-term deal done with Shaq. Um, but it, it it is always interesting to see um, how um, players react to to the tag. Um, you know, because for teams, it, it's the opportunity for them to kind of push things out a little bit and, and test the waters and uh, get a player to prove themselves. Um, but I can understand why a lot of times players feel, hey, I've, I've proved myself time and time again, um, and I'm carrying all the, the risk here. And, you know, you get to walk away at the end of the season if, um, if I pick up a, an injury. So it's always uh, an interesting time to, to see how this plays out. Anybody in your mind, Brian, that might be tagged quite soon? Or do you think it's going to be a sort of sitting weird opportunity for, for most teams? No, I think I think it's a waiting game. Um earlier in the week when it when I suppose when the tag period opened up, people were saying, Oh my god, here we go. Now we're gonna see both players getting tagged this week. But that was never gonna be the case. Teams are, are not gonna blink force, they're gonna give us the two weeks period and make a decision near the time. It's, it's a combination of so many different components of the game like players who go on the tag are disgruntled because they don't want to be on the tag there's players as columns alludes that are happy to go on the tag because for people who may may not know they make the average of the top five salary for their position so some players are probably getting overpaid on the on the tag for me the giants last year were overpaying uh leonard williams he went on the tag he earned 18 million however he, he kind of had a proven season and he had 11 and a half sacks and now we're now in a position where we're gonna have to pay him 20 million a year so it can work for the team or it can benefit the player again each one is very different but 
I'd imagine leading up to the 15th, when the tampering period opens up, it'll literally be deadline stuff where teams will decide where they're going to get the tag. The standout tag one for me is the Dak Prescott situation. I mean, how we've got to a stage where four or five years of his... I know, obviously, last year he had a serious injury early in the season, so that kind of put everything on hold. But you would argue he had proven himself to justify a contract, whether he would justify the money that he was after, which was in the region of $32 million. Probably not, but he certainly was worthy of a big contract at that stage, and the Cowboys put him on the tag. And now they're kind of in a position where the likelihood is they'll have to tag him again and work to get a contract done. But he might end up like the likelihood is he'll play on the tag again because last year was lost. Different guys as well. Aaron Jones could be one for the Packers as well. Really look out for that there. Will Fuller as well could be one. Obviously, you mentioned Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott there. I actually think Colm Shelby Harris could be tagged by the Broncos, potentially. Hunter Henry for the Chargers. And finally, I have my notes somewhere. Shaq Griffin for the Seahawks could be tagged. But again, it goes into what you're saying, Brian. There are teams that won't tag anybody. Like the 49ers aren't really expected to tag anybody as a stance. The Browns, the same. There's, there's no real stand out there in that sense. What's your thoughts on that, Brian? Sorry, yeah, just one other point. I think a lot of teams view the tag as an opportunity to negotiate because they are under under pressure. They've got a deadline to meet before free agency starts. And they open up negotiations early enough with the agents to say, look, if we have to tag you, it's not because you know we want to we want to avoid giving you the contract. It's more to give them time to address the situation after after free agency, after the draft. They know they're in a bit where they are in terms of going forward, and then they can start negotiating with the player and then work to get a contract done. So it will benefit some teams in the coming weeks where they'll give themselves a bit of leeway towards us, towards the back end of the summer to finally get a contract done. Yes, sir, and you will see more in terms of the tag and the free agency period uh, on our channels very soon. We don't want to give anything away, as you can imagine. We probably would have something planned if we had a four-hour, 46-minute pre-game for show for the Super Bowl, so we'll, we'll get back to you on that. Uh, folks, not repeating news, but there has been developments in the last seven days, because we, lads, we haven't had a show since last Friday. Now, JJ Watt, obviously, two weeks ago now, it was two weeks ago today, he announced he was going to leave the Texans, and obviously his contract was mutually terminated. He has received offers from several teams, and the reports are that the maximum offer he's received so far is between 15 and 16 million dollar redos. Colin, what's your thoughts on that on that deal? Do you think that's fair or do you think he's worth more than that? Um, I said it last week. I really think that it is the leadership that he is going to bring to a team. Um, we saw um, DeMarcus Ware with the Broncos and I think there are an awful lot of parallels between those two guys um, and not just because they both left Texas um, the, the the leadership that he's going to bring to a team, he wants to, to win a ring, he wants that opportunity and um, Ware was the same so I think that you're looking at teams who are on the cusp who feel that they could bring a guy in who will absolutely energize the the dressing room and take them all over the top to me yeah like it'll be interesting to to see who is um wh whether he he goes for that top offer in terms of money or whether he looks at it um meets with teams and says who is probably best 
um, place to make a real run at, at the Super Bowl here. But I, if I was um, a, a GM and I had a team that you know was there or thereabouts, I would definitely be looking at JJ Watt and um, thinking, you know, um, he he would be a guy I would love to to bring in because he he still can do a job for you absolutely on the field but it is his his leadership and his ability to make other players play better just testing out on the screen boys just seeing the cracks see how we're getting on hey brian what's your thoughts on the whole jj what situation yeah well this evening they're speculating that 16 teams have, have put an offer in and he's whittled it down to six teams and in the next fortnight leading up to free agency he's going to be visiting those teams so he's going to go on a bit of a a tour around the states and he's going to meet with the gms and the head coaches and have conversations and, and on the basis of that he'll decide where he goes i find it very hard now to believe that 16 teams have put in offers to him because a lot of them don't know what the situation is with the cap which we've discussed as part of the tv deal and and a lot of teams are struggling when it comes to cap so are they taking a punt early and then they'll just reevaluate their cap and move things around and, and potentially drop other players off their off their panel if they were to get jj what but that's not going to work for teams because he's taking his time. I, I, he joked during the week. I don't know if people have read it, but he joked about the fact that he, he tends to take his time when he's picking a restaurant. He's certainly not going to pick his next NFL team, you know, very quickly. So, um, but you'd have to imagine the six teams that he's whittled it down, which in the likelihood will come very clear or evident over the next week. By and large, I'd imagine our teams are going for, for you know, if they're not going for Super Bowl, they're certainly challenging to be in the playoffs. And what will come of that will be teams that really give them the final push in terms of presenting what their plans are going forward for the next season going to be intriguing to see where JJ Watt lands up uh, obviously he's enjoying his time at the minute fair play to him time will tell and I think we are going to get to that point very soon especially if this TV deal does come and, and the teams know how much money they have it, it'll be interesting very quickly to see where JJ Watt lands up penultimate uh, story or topic for tonight gentlemen you know, it really goes on what we said a minute ago about the franchise tag. Free agency is near. There are a number of standout free agency prospects for this season. Is there anybody, Colin, that reaches out to you? Because for me, it's fits. I actually wouldn't mind seeing. If we can't get Deshaun Watson as a Broncos fan, I would love to see um, Ramfus Patrick get a, get a backup role in Denver because I think in terms of the standout quarterbacks there is at the minute in free agency, he's not bad. I'd take it. Is there anybody for you, Colin, that stands out at the minute in terms of free agency? Well, if if Ryan uh, Fitzpatrick comes in as a backup, Ryan Fitzpatrick tends to end up the the starter. Um, so if if Ryan Fitzpatrick, wherever he ends up, um, if you are the starting QB on that team, um, you are constantly watching over your shoulder um, for for Fitzmagic. Um, I, I think um, Alan Robinson, um, I think he's a great receiver. I really think he is absolutely standout. And I just don't think he has had a whole lot in Chicago. Um, so to me, he is he's the guy who um, is probably uh, the standout right now. Um, outside of, I mean, I, I talked earlier about uh, Tampa Bay and, and what they do because any of those uh, three guys, I mean, Levante David pushing on a, a little bit in age, but he's still a really talented player and, again, would bring in that leadership. Um, but, like, if Shaq Barrett was to hit free agency, um, if Chris Godwin was to hit free agency, um, those are, you know, really 
super talented uh, players who uh, would make a, a difference wherever they went. So uh, it it will be um, one to, to keep an eye on. And we know um, that there will be um, a number of cuts over um, the, the coming weeks as we approach uh, the new league season. So again, um, it's it's not going to be just the, the people who are, are we see right now. There will be a, a significant number of cuts, I imagine. Uh, a lot is going to come back to again when that TVD gets finalised, when teams know exactly how much they have to play with. But that will have to get sorted before the, the start of the league season because otherwise, how do you have um you know the, the free that free agency period if you don't know how much cap you have to spend so it is going to get resolved within the next couple of weeks it is indeed brian what's your thoughts going into free agency i can't wait man to be honest oh yeah i love i love free agency week it's look there's very few weeks during the season during the off season that we can really enjoy this week is it, that week in particular is obviously friends and it's great and thankfully we'll be all doing a lot of episodes a lot of shows together so we'll make it even more enjoyable it's been a while since we spoke about our own teams um so selfishly for me thinking about the giants and where we need to get to the end of the season our general manager and our owner said we need to start putting playmakers on the team because we haven't had a void receiver for quite a while since we traded odell beckham so kenny galladay for me with the lions alan robinson is going to poise himself out of any deal but for him me he's a very intriguing wide receiver when he's fit and he plays for the lions in a poor lions team he looked like a standout player he's going to hit the market I really think the Giants will be in for him because they they had potentially looked at a trade earlier on uh, last season. So I could see it as an opportunity to go after him. And just on the Adam Robinson situation, it's bizarre how things work out because when he moved from Jacksonville a couple of years ago, the two choices that he whittled it down to was Green Bay or Chicago. And at the time, the Bears were moving in the right direction and he chose the Bears. And people then at the time kind of said, well, you know what? He's not a number one receiver, but having watched him over the past few years, you put a jump ball up for Alan Robinson, which a Chicago team that haven't had the greatest of quarterbacks, he's been a standout player. He's going to get paid um, if he's not tagged. So realistically, no, looking at the Giants' cap situation, um, I think Kenny Galladay is a, is a real attractive proposition as a number one receiver. And then the last question I have, I have to put it back to the, the Broncos. Would you be happy with Fitzpatrick as your starter? Because you haven't answered that one, Michael. That's what I'd like to. Yeah, I would. I think this is this is probably a transition year for the Broncos. I don't want to talk too much about the Broncos because we'll talk about them in, in an AFC West episode. But um, yeah, I mean, I I'd, I'd be still shocked that we're the boogie favorites to get Watson. But I I think Fitzpatrick would be the second best option. Mile high, Fitzmagic. Just one other point. Um, I think what we'll find this this uh, this off season and, and this free agency is and having spoke today with with um, my parents said on the on the episode is that. The first round of, of players will get paid, but the second round is the most interesting part because they're the guys that, by and large, make up the make up the squads, and you'll see deals happening for a lot less than what we're used to seeing in terms of what they're going to get paid. Indeedy, let's very quickly roll on to the last topic tonight. I want to thank everybody that has watched us and anybody that is listening early Saturday morning as well. Really appreciate you folks on the podcast. Edelman's future in New England is uncertain, and it's not because he wants to go to Tampa Bay or. Maybe it is, but apparently, lads, I'm not calling. I'm not sure if you've seen this, but apparently, Julian Edelman may not be fit enough to play next season. Have you heard about this? Are you surprised? 
I am. I, I hadn't uh, heard, heard about it. Um, Edelman's a, a really tough um, receiver who comes to life in, in the playoffs. Um, I think sometimes uh, recency bias means that people think that um, Edelman is, you know, that kind of slot guy or uh, receiver that um, that he is the only guy the Patriots have had, but they had Wes Welker who did a job for them for many, many years and used to put up phenomenal numbers, um, even in the regular season. Um, and certainly in terms of if you were to look at stats, um, Wes Welker would be um, above Julian Edelman. But Edelman is, you could see you know, what he brings and his relationship with Brady will mean that people will always talk um if he if he is uh, available but um i hadn't heard that um he might not be fit enough uh, that would be um a blow obviously because you want to see the the best players playing um if at all possible and i still think edelman um gives you some look he'll he'll forever live long in in the memory for that catch against the the falcons um, and I think even 50 years from now, people will still be showing that catch uh, alongside helmet catch as, uh, you know, one of the, the great Super Bowl catches. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am a little bit surprised because he is so synonymous with uh, New England. And given the issues that they had at wide receiver there, um, they need to they need a whole, you know, a slew of receivers and they need a quarterback and they need some tight ends. So, um, yeah, New, New England looking for um, pretty much a new receiving offense by the sounds of things then. It's a shame Marcus dropped off because this would have been one of the, the topics that I really would have wanted to get his, gauge his, his thoughts on because I know from speaking to Mark Nabaz, he, he he would see Edelman potentially as a number one where others wouldn't. But uh, if one puts the Patriots in the quandary, because if they don't know where, where he is in terms of his fitness and whether he's going to be ready for next season or if he'd be even in a position to play, where do they go come come draft time? Where do they go through free agency? They're likely because they'd have to go quite deep in free agency and they'll probably put off these little massive deals of wide receivers that are just below the radar and will turn out to be great players for them. But they've got a lot of work to do on the offense. They haven't even got themselves a quarterback yet. Edelman's the kind of guy you'd like to have around for a new quarterback, for new receivers, just in terms of experience. You know, we touched on it with JG Watt, the kind of player you want to have as part of your team, you know, to motivate the guys, have the experience. And if Edelman is not around, it makes things doubly difficult for, for Belichick and the guys just in terms of bringing in a, a brand new offense to a certain extent. Indeedy, but we all know it's going to happen because obviously Edelman is going to either be cut or retire. And we all know where he's going to end up. So, I mean, it's not even a discussion point. That's probably why it's better Mark isn't here, because that's what he would say, and he would end the show in a smart way. But I guess, lads, before we go, we've got Tom Palacero from NFL Network tomorrow night um, on our show. We spoke with him today. Great guy. Very, very good interview with him. Really enjoyed it. Lads, I want to thank you for your time. Obviously, as usual, we're back next Friday night. If anything happens in the NFL between now and next Friday night, we will probably jump on 9, 10, 11 o'clock Ireland, UK time. Uh, it just depends if Brian's allowed to come on to the computer. It depends on the evening. That was a joke, by the way. I want to thank everybody for uh, for watching this, for listening to this, either on Pundit Arena, Facebook, or Twitter account on our podcast. Uh, if you haven't checked out our podcast, you can just type in Irish NFL Show on all good podcast platforms. Please hit subscribe and please give us a rating because we want to try it. Yeah, come on. Please help us and we'll do a giveaway soon on our podcast. 
And that's I guess for now. Appreciate you. Hope you have a good weekend. And hopefully we start to get a bit of action next week in the NFL. Thanks, guys. Good luck.